Ready when you are. All right. Hi, this is Taylor Stevens, the New York Times best-selling and award-winning author of <laughs> Kick-Ass. <laughs> <laughs> Not a peep out of her all day long. Hi, this is Taylor Stevens, the New York Times best-selling and award-winning author of Kick-Ass International Thrillers, and this is the Taylor Stevens Show with my good friend Steve Campbell, where we are kicking writing in the butt one word at a time. And Taylor, you're recently back from Thriller Fest. You and I have been chatting before we started recording, but I didn't ask you a single question about Thriller Fest. I've saved it all up. So how was it? Well, it was good. It was awesome. It was exhausting, but awesome. Um, it was just, yeah, I'm, I'm, I mean, I, I didn't go there for the party, quote unquote, the party, which is what it feels like when you're hanging out with author friends that you've met throughout the years. I really went there because that's where my publisher is and my agent, and I needed to spend some face-to-face time, and, you know, we had a few meetings and stuff. But it was also fun for the party. And so you you did meet with your, with your publisher? Yes, with my, yes, both my editor separately and then also my the, the publicist and communications director and all of that that are going to be handling the uh, publicity and marketing on the book. Cool. So you're putting together plans and things. Um, I, they are mostly, and I just had questions and ideas and it was just kind of like, a co- I'm, I'm collaborative. I like to, any way that I can help or any way that they can point me in the right direction. Um, I want to be a part of that. And it was just so much easier to have that as a face-to-face meeting than mm-hmm. trying to do it by email or whatever. And had you met your editor face-to-face prior to this? Oh, yes. The, uh, my editor I've met um, okay. several times. But, okay. uh, you know, it's just, it's like with any working relationship, the more you meet someone, talk to them, the more comfortable you get. There's a lot that goes on in facial expressions and tone that's just, you don't pick up in email. You need to be comfortable. You need to have a good working relationship. And that's sort of built by that, you know, personal interaction. Is there a difference in tone in these events from year to year, depending on how the world of books is coming? Uh, you mean like in the discussions between the authors or yes, like yes. in the panels? Yeah, like, you know, what, like the chit chat between things and around things and at the bar and things like that. You know, in in some ways I want to say yes, but in other ways, when you hear stories that authors who've been around for forever tell about when they were just first starting out and the conversations they were having with their friends at the time, Mm -hmm. you realize that the details might change, but the conversations are sort of the same. Mm. (laughs) It's just part of the angst that comes along with struggling in an industry that's really hard, a really difficult industry. Is there or was there chatter about the number of bookstores and just places where you can buy books, things like that? Uh, the the world domination by Amazon? You know, I, I don't really think so, because from what little I'm hearing is that indie bookstores right now are thriving. Mm-hmm. There's, they're coming back because they're providing something that Amazon doesn't. Like, Amazon can sell you a book for a really cheap price, which is all some people want. But some readers like the community. They like being able to walk into a store and, and feel 
a book. They like author events, and Amazon can't provide any of that. So it's just a different buyer's market. And the big booksellers, they can provide some of that, but they don't, or don't they, really. they just yeah. they stop doing it. I mean, I think it depends on store to store um, what they do. Um, some are better than others, but... Uh, yeah, you just different different service levels, different types of services, I guess. Okay. Now, did you really spend every evening in the bar like we all expected you to do? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's where everything happens. Now, in Thriller Fest, um, every evening has some kind of uh, like a cocktail party or something that takes place that's uh, sponsored by a publisher or whatever. And of course, that's where everybody starts off. But every evening, you know, at some point, everybody's meeting with their agents or their editors or whatever, and it all takes place at different times. So maybe not everybody gets to make it to those cocktail parties, but those who want to hang out are all going to gravitate towards the bar in the evening. And it's like, I don't know, there's maybe like a thousand attendees at Thriller Fest this year. I don't know the exact number. And there's not a thousand people in the bar in the evening. Um, but it tends to be this uh, a very, um, you, you get to know the crowd. Your friends are all, it's like, hey, you know, you're too busy to talk right now because everybody's rushing and I got to go to this. I got to do this. Are you going to be in the bar tonight? Yeah, I'll be there. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got a meeting with my whatever and, and I'm not going to get there till like 930. I'm like, yeah, no, no, I'm not going to get in till 10. Okay, I'll see you at the bar. And then gone, right? And then so later that evening is when you actually catch up and you actually, you know, you get to hear from people what's really going on. You know, that's when you have the personal conversations, not all business or whatever. And, you know, we've all, there's some of us that, you know, every year I see, we don't talk to each other all year, but then catch up and, you know, you find out what personal struggles are going on and um, what writing struggles are going on and the victories. And, you know, we commiserate and we rejoice and then you separate, go your separate ways and, you might see each other again at a different conference, but in between, there's just really not much except maybe some social media interaction or whatever. Did you go to the panels? Did you see any of the panels, sit in on those? I was on a panel. You were? I, well, I didn't know well, you were going to be on a panel. <laughs> I was on a panel. Um, I was competing against George R. R. Martin, who was doing like a, you know, a, a one-on-one interview. In, who? In you know, Game of I'm, Thrones. I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was there this year. Um, so, so I was surprised that anybody showed up to the panel at all. Uh, but, I, you know, I don't really go to panels much anymore unless it's to support a friend. And mm-hmm. it's because of something that happened to me the very first year that I went to Thriller Fest. I hadn't had a book out yet. Like, I went before my book first book was published. I, I did. I, I blocked out this agenda, and I, I went to all the panels that... I, uh, I thought would be interesting. And as time went on, I started feeling more and more depressed and more frustrated and more confused. And my head was in a fog. And I realized that what I was doing, I was going to all these places, uh, these panels and listening to people for advice. And I realized that it, it was, it was other voices, other people telling me what worked for them, but didn't necessarily mean it was going to work for me. Mm-hmm. And that if I spent all my time tripping over myself, listening to how other people got successful, how they did this, how they did that, I would spend my entire writing life chasing, trying to be something I wasn't, trying to do something somebody else's way. And just because of my own 
mental makeup and the life that I lived, I knew that if I was always listening to other people's voices, I would never find my own. So I stopped going to them um, because I knew they wouldn't be beneficial to me. But if there's something that does interest me, practical stuff, like if the FBI is presenting or gun experts or whatever, mm-hmm. I might make a point to, to stop in for something like that. But Those I are fun. Just, they are fun, yeah. All right, we ought to get to today's topic. We, we actually do have a topic beyond just Thriller Fest this week, and it's from a listener email. It, I don't know if she's he is a listener or not, but it's an email that you got. Yes, and he is a listener. And, and it's actually a two-part thing because the first email I got right before I was leaving for Thriller Fest, and this is uh, what he said. He loves the show, and he said, do you have a show or episode where you give advice to first time, a first-time author looking for the right editor for them. I hate to ask the question. You've no doubt answered 1,000 times already, but if you point me toward that episode, I'll go get educated. And I thought about it, and I was like, I know we've answered this in general terms before, but we've been doing this show for so many years, I wouldn't even know where to start in trying to hunt that down and send it to him. And if I can't remember where that is. There's no way that somebody who's been listening to the show all this time will remember everything, much less having to go back and listen to every show to try and find it. So I wrote him back and I was like, you know, basically said that. And I was like, but, you know, because we kind of have covered this at some point, I'm sure we have, what would be the most helpful is if you gave us like some more specifics about what this particularly means to you, your particular situation, because then we can actually give, you know, not just general vague advice, but what actually might be helpful to you. And so I got an email back, which was great. And so here are the questions. Um, He says, I've written scripts and stories for my radio programs for the last past 11 years. That said, I've been writing for the ear and spoken word. And what I hope to find in an editor is help honing the voice of the novels. I've written two, one never to be seen. The current book I'm nearly complete rewriting is the first in a planned series of mysteries set here in Alaska. That means we've got at least two Alaskan listeners because we've done something (laughs) for somebody else who's in Alaska as well. All right. I think I know that my grammar will need massive copy edit, but relative to an editor relationship, I'm not sure where to start. I'm wondering if perhaps first step would be to go after an agency relationship first? Or without having been edited, is that a waste of time in that an agent will see the large holes that no doubt exist in my work and ruin a potential relationship? Would you recommend simply working with an online editor to start with? I have no illusions of being picked up by a publisher, figuring on self-publishing the first several, but I'd like to put a quality product into the world. Okay, can we first define terms because you use the term meeting with your editor earlier in in the chit chat that's a different kind of editor i'm presuming than than what he's asking about well actually it's the same kind of editor because he differentiates this he says he knows his grammar will need a massive copy edit mm-hmm. but he's asking about the actual editor relationship um, which is the structure of the book. So a copy editor is the person who goes over the book for grammar, punctuation, word usage, um, style, 
all of those types of things. And that usually happens after the, okay, in the traditional publishing process, that usually happens after the book has gone through the editing process, which is story, structure, plot, character, eliminating unnecessary scenes, that type, or adding scenes that could benefit the book, that type of a thing. But by the time the editor gets the book, it's usually pretty polished. So what the copy editor is fixing is, it's just kind of a, like a cart before the horse, which, which direction? Like I understand his question is, where does he even start? Mm-hmm. Does he get this thing copy edited first? Does he try and find uh, an agent? Does he um, try and uh, get it edited elsewhere, like an actual editor, editor from an online person that he meets? And he's trying to figure out what's the best strategy for getting this book into a readable, sellable format. Okay. So what's the answer to his myriad questions? Myriad of questions. All right. So we have... It's actually a multi-pronged question, and I'm going to try and approach it in a linear, clear fashion. And we have to go all the way back to what is it that he actually wants in terms of his long-term goals, right? And he says he has no illusions of being picked up by a publisher figuring on self-publishing the first several. So that kind of answers the agent question right there off the bat. If you're going to self-publish your work, you don't need an agent, because agents are in the business of selling your work to publishers and they make their money by off commission. If they don't sell your work, they don't make any money. So there are many agents who will work with an author to improve the story if they think they're going to sell it. But I don't know any agent that will do that if they're not going to sell it and you're going to turn around and self-publish it. I mean, not in the traditional model. I believe there are individuals out there who would work with you and then take a commission off of every sale. But I don't, I've never met them. I know they exist. I've never met them. I don't actually know how those contracts are, are uh, structured. And I don't know where you would go looking to find them. But I know they're out there because there are lots of people who will be happy to take your money. Um, so the next thing is in regards to how cleaned up a manuscript needs to be in order to be able to sell it or get it agented. And then the agent sells it to the big publisher, because that's part of this overall question here, even though in this case, an agent might not be the ideal direction to go. And the answer to that question is it depends So much of it depends on story if and your characters, because if an agent reads it and goes, oh, my God, I haven't seen anything out there like this on the market. And this is brilliant, but your grammar is kind of rough and maybe the story needs work. They may still work with you on it, knowing that it's not ready as it is. But those situations are incredibly rare. And the reason they're rare is because ideas are everywhere. Stories are everywhere. There's an unlimited supply of authors trying to get published. So agents and editors alike 
have the ability to go past, this is going to be too much work, we'll just wait till the next one comes along. Now, I have seen books that really, 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 really needed a lot of work. But both agent and editor believed in the story and believed in the author so much they were willing to invest that. And the authors were willing to work that hard and accept that they didn't know what they were doing and accept all the help that was being offered to them. And then the books went on and got published and were pretty successful. But again, that's really, really rare. For the most part, if an agent sees a work that is falling short, far short in the grammar department or in story or whatever, they might take a pass and just go, your premise is great, but the book is not ready. So if going towards an agent, going towards traditional publishing was the goal, then if you know that it needs help, that's where investing in a copy editor or investing in a story editor could actually be to your benefit. Now, let me go back and say, my grammar sucks. My punctuation is even worse. And it's improved somewhat, but it was pretty bad. I mean, not the grammar so much as the punctuation when the information is sold. And it's still sold. So for me personally, I would say worry more about the quality of writing and worry more to, to, to a small degree and worry more about the characters and the story than the actual grammar, because you can have a very perfect book in terms of grammar and writing and never be able to sell it because the characters are not that interesting. The story is not interesting. And you can have a not so well written book and something that needs a lot of help with grammar but just has the most fascinating characters and fascinating stories, that's going to sell way more than a great grammar book. So when we say, you know, I know my grammar will need a massive copy edit, to me, that's not really a big deal. So much as how is the story told? How are the, are the characters well-rounded? Like, are they fleshed out where they feel real? Is this something that keeps people turning the pages? Is it different than, you know, same but different? Uh, what makes this different from everything else that's out there? What's the hook? What's your hook as a writer? Um, that's something that my editor was answered a question to somebody else about. What is it that catches your eye when somebody queries you because... Or, or you get a, an agent submission or whatever, and she says who the author is and what they can personally contribute to the story has almost as much weight on her decision-making as the story itself because that is so much of storytelling is who's, who's the storyteller. And it's not about, you know, the, do you have 100,000 people following you on Twitter? Not that kind of who's the storyteller. It's like, what makes you as the author unique and what makes this story that you're telling unique? So story is way more important. So if I had to, if I, if I was in a situation where I'm not going to go the traditional route, then you know you don't need an agent. And if you're not going to go the traditional route, that means you're not going to get any help on the back end with an editor or with a copy editor. So if you're not going the traditional route, then you absolutely need a story editor, um, someone who works on the big picture stuff, someone that you can work with to make sure that there's no plot holes and that 
the pacing keeps moving and all of the above. And as far as how to find that in the indie world, Steve has probably got far more advice than I do. I just know that for me myself, if I was in that position with my current life, like I already have books that have been traditionally published. I've already been to conferences like Thriller Fest. If I was in the same shoes and I, and I had decided to go indie, then I would reach out to my own personal network because I have friends that have done freelance editing who also work for big publishing houses. Um, I have authors who've left the traditional publishing world, author friends who've left the traditional publishing world and gone indie. So I would be reaching out to that network going, who have you worked with? What editors have you used? Did you like them? Did you feel you got your money's worth? What other authors have they worked with? And anybody who's had a really good experience is going to be happy to tell you. And anybody who's had a bad experience will be even happier to tell you. <laughs> so that's the from the from my perspective. But for most people, they don't have that benefit. And so I, I put myself in the position of, well, what if I was back to square zero and I knew I needed to find an editor, what would I do? Well, the first thing I would do is I would find all my personal friends who say that they're great editors and I would start getting feedback from them. And I know that that would be just the first step in starting to get things sorted out, that sort of beta reader um, testing ground there. And then I would start reaching out online to writer groups uh, and, and looking for voices that seem to be rather trusted. And, and I would do a lot of stalking, um, lurking, of reading discussions about this. And I would not Google. That's the last thing I would do because anybody can put out a website. Anybody can hang a shingle and say they're an editor. I would be looking for, um, I would be in Facebook groups. I would be following pe uh, well-known indie authors on um, Twitter or Facebook and blogs and, and listening to the conversations, listening to the advice they give. And you'll, I, I believe I would start to see names come up, you know, over and over. And that would be my first resource of where to go for. And I would start with an editor, story editor. And once I felt like I had the story as good as I could personally get it with the editor's help, then I would move on to a copy editor. Steve, your turn. I can't disagree with any any of what Taylor just said. Um, the, the, in the indie world, there are different there's different terminology used for editors like that, and it's it's it can be really confusing when you're looking for editors. And if you're asking people for editors, a lot of established indie authors have a great sense of story already, so they don't need a developmental editor or a story editor. So when they tell you who their editor is, they're telling you who their copy editor is. And that's a really important distinction yeah, right it, there. Yeah, it's an important distinction. Uh, what I would do, um, in addition to what Taylor suggested, is presumably you have some favorite books that are in the mystery. You're, you're writing uh, mysteries based in Alaska. So I would look for people who write mysteries like you that are indie authors that are successful and go look in their acknowledgments or notes because in the indie world, people recognize the people that are helping them. So they'll recognize the story editors and the copy editors, et cetera, et cetera. Go back to the early books and find out how they, who they used or ask them. Um, because a lot of times someone will start with a story editor and work with them for four or five books. And then they say, okay, I've got this. 
Now I, I can do this on my own. I don't need to pay this person to do that. I just need a copy editor. And yeah, what Taylor said about just doing it all online is, is, is great. There are so many groups. Find a group that you're comfortable in. You're probably already part of some of these groups, uh, mystery writer groups online and things like that. You may write cozy mysteries. Uh, I, I have no idea what kind of mystery you're talking about, but there are different subgenres. So you want to find somebody that's good in that in that subgenre, if at all possible. But a lot of these story people are just, they're, they're story people and, and they just really understand story. And, and I, you mentioned the term online editor. And Taylor, I don't know if you want to get into this or if it's okay if I go into this now. Go for it. Absolutely. Okay. Online editors are great. Um, but I would, if based on what I assume your position is from, from this email, You've written a lot, and you feel like you need help in certain areas. Those online editors aren't going to be able to give you the kind of feedback that you want if you're going to really build your career. I would find someone to do this first and let them teach you. Um, and from a cost standpoint, okay, can you expound a little bit on that? Because, like me, I don't understand a single. I don't understand any of that because okay. I'm not from the indie world. So it's possible others might not understand it either. Are you talking about online editors? Yeah, explain exactly what an online editor is and why they might not be able to help him and take from there. Well, online editors are algorithm-based editors. That it's, okay. it's not like Word when you look at Word and it says, "Oh, you spelled this wrong incorrectly." It, it's you spelled this word incorrectly. It's it's more of something that's looking at big blocks of writing and comparing it uh, maybe to other people in your genre, and it's all algorithm-based. And it can be useful if you know what you're doing. If you don't know what you're doing, it could send you in a direction that you don't want to go. Uh, Grammarly, yeah, that sounds terrifying to me. Grammarly is one of these that's really well-known. Um, it's mostly like a copy-editing type thing where it checks spelling and punctuation and things like that. But I, I use Grammarly all the time before I send out emails to my email list, and I still, there'll be glaring errors that, that someone else catches that Grammarly right. didn't catch. You, you cannot trust them. And from a story standpoint, the idea of using an algorithm to teach you how to do this, maybe if you're just starting from ground zero and it doesn't sound like you are, maybe that's helpful to get you to the point where you begin to understand stuff. But I'd much rather be able to pick up the phone or send an email to someone that I'm paying to help with this and say, why did you say this? I, I don't understand. Like, like I do with Taylor all the time on this show. It's like I'll hear her say something and it's, I, I don't understand what you're saying here. And you can't yeah. do that with an algorithm. Yeah, I 100%. I, I agree with you 100% on what you just said. And I, I guess that's about it. I, we're, we're pretty much in lockstep on this. Um, I, I, it's not hard to find somebody that can help you with this. There are, I don't know if you listen to the author biz. I have interviewed a couple of developmental editors on there. Developmental editing tends to be more expensive than copy editing. So you need to be prepared to spend some money for good developmental edits. Uh, but it's worth the money if you're if you're serious about your writing. Yeah, and there's also an author biz Facebook group where um, indie authors are in there a lot, and people ask questions. So that's the type of group I'm talking about when I say you know I would find other writer groups or whatever because then you can benefit from other people's experience 
what, find out who they've used, what their experiences with that person were. And you learn so much more than just, you know, what editor. I mean, all aspects of indie publishing get get discussed, and it's a very good resource. And um, it, in my experience, at least in Steve's group, the author biz, uh, the authors are very supporting of each other. They don't tear each other down. They're not spamming each other with buy my books. They're really looking for advice um, in maybe not so common situations and sometimes common situations. And I have no doubt that if, if someone went in there and said, I'm looking for someone who can help me with this, 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 and this, do you have any recommendations? You'd probably get several really good ones. Yeah, I agree. And uh, uh, to go back, well, sort of to veer away from what Taylor's saying, um, I, yes, uh, do go into the author biz and ask, ask that question if you think that would be helpful. But if you write cozy mysteries, there are lots of cozy mystery groups. If you write um, pot boiler type mysteries, uh, there are there are Facebook groups for that. I would find a group that is specifically what you want to be writing into if you really understand your genre, uh, because those people would be the ones that really understand the market and understand the people that can be the most helpful inside that market. And my advice would be, like, if you get into one of those groups, don't just post. Like, spend some time looking back yes. over past posts. Read the comments underneath those posts. That'll give you a sense of the people that you're dealing with, because not all advice is equal. And you want to be real careful that you don't take advice from somebody who maybe shouldn't be offering it in the first place. So spend some time really getting a feel for the individuals that are in that group. Find out if it's even a good fit for you before you put yourself out there and ask for advice and then get overwhelmed with completely unhelpful things. Was there more to the question here, Taylor? Is there anything that we're missing here? I mean, he does, he does end up with saying he wants to put a quality product out into the world. Yeah, and if that's the ultimate goal, then, I mean, the path that you take towards getting that quality product is going to depend on your end goal, which is are you going to self-publish or are you looking to get it picked up by an agent? So the path is different, but ultimately the steps to get there are the same. Somebody to work with you on the story somebody to work with you on copy editing. If you're going to go the traditional route, then you just really need to have it, the story as tight as you can get it and as good as you can get it. The copy editing is going to be done in-house. Well, it'll be... It, it'll be done in-house even if you have it, even if you pay someone to do it, they will do it again. Yes, and I mean, it might not be somebody who actually works for the, the publisher, but it's someone they'll pay to do it. Um, so the editing, you're still even if you've had the story, story edited, development edited, it's still going to go th unless there's just nothing wrong with it that your editor can find. Um, then it's going to go through another editorial process. It's going to get copy edited. It'll get go through a whole. Although you'll get the bells and whistles. I mean, that's sort of what you're paying for when you give up a huge percentage of your income of what the book earns. Um, so it, it's the same indie or tread. It just which which route you go to, to get it, to get that quality product into the world, and and quality is relative too. If it's a it's a product you're you're proud of, that's that's okay. That's good enough. It doesn't have to be perfect because there is no perfect in this industry. So true. I think we're done here, Taylor. We have I answered the question. It. I think Chris. I hope we've answered your question. If we haven't. Send us more and we'll fill it, we'll fill it in from there. <laughs> All right. We will be back again next Tuesday. 
Gosh, we've had one week off, and I'm losing track of even when the show releases. We'll be back again next Tuesday. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thanks so much for being here, guys.